Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. This is John Schneider, your regular host. I usually have co-hosts with me, but Jay and Brian both couldn't make it tonight. Brian sent up some observations for me to go over with the pit game. This is the post-game blitz. Now, okay, nobody was surprised at this one. There's absolutely no reason why anybody should be too downcast about it, because we really understood and knew that what we were up against, Pitt was going to be serious competition, and we were in, in the former big catch-up in Pittsburgh, and hey, it's just been tough there, okay? Well, we got a surprise for three quarters, didn't we? The truth about the game was it didn't get out of hand until the end of the game, until 10 minutes and 40 seconds into the into the contest when Abanikanda ran 10 yards into the end zone on a I guess that defense just started to kind of fade out and they were not having uh, too great a, well, heck with it. They weren't tackling. And as the game wore on, they just didn't tackle even close to better than they needed to. And at this point, Israel Abanikanda was what exactly I warned about before. And what I was concerned about was his explosiveness and his speed and his vision and his ability to hit the hole before your players could hit him. And that's what we ran into. He was shedding tackles. He was getting missed completely. People were not keeping up with him. And that's something I'm going to talk about here. And from Brian's notes, we're going to, we're going to talk about a little bit. So let's get started with what the score was. The score in this game, up until that 10 minute and 40 second mark, was 29 to 31 them. 
1325 in the fourth quarter, we had just gotten a blocked punt and had caught up 29 to 31. There was hope all the way into 12 minutes in it, it, with 12 minutes left. You know, what do you do? Two minutes into the fourth quarter, you're defense stop. Now, we're going to talk about special teams here too. So Brian's got some issues with that too. And that's something that we're going to visit. But let's talk about some of the good things. We're going to see uh, five takeaways from Brian and then my good, bad, and ugly. But let's talk just about on the blitz about some of the positives we saw. We saw Malachi Thomas on the field. Malachi Thomas on the field suddenly started to materially affect the running game almost immediately. He came in, he had 15 attempts, 84 yards with one touchdown, as long as 29 and his average of 5.6 yards. The bonus in that was that sort of loosened up Keyshawn King because when Keyshawn King could come in, he was averaging 5.2 yards. He only got 26 yards on the day because he only got five attempts, but those were quality attempts in as long as 19. Grant Wells also got into the act a little bit. He had nine running attempts, and for some strange reason, they had him running more, and I'm not sure why, but Grant Wells got 35 yards. He didn't get negative yards, although I think he did get negatives. He lost 20. I think it was that one big sack at the near the end. It kind of ended near the end of the first half that ended our first rally that we had a chance to go up with something to leave the half, and, and that was a total breakdown. But Wells did pretty well running the ball. As far as receiving goes, Caleb Smith pulled off a really quality game, except for one unfortunate drop, and that's the drop was the fumble. Caleb had nine receptions for 152 yards, and the long was 37. We saw Dwayne Lofton catch two. We saw Daquan Wright catch five for 47 yards, and his long was 17. And of course, Thomas went out for five and caught a long for eight, but that was 14 yards. We spread it around a little bit. Keyshawn King came in and, and, and did it, you know, two for five yards. That's a two-yarder and a, and a five-yarder. But what we didn't see, unfortunately, and that's something that is kind of puzzling, is we didn't see anything from Connor Blumrick. Nick Gallo did not have any receptions, although he did get the ball thrown to him once. And Jalen Jones also was out there playing but never got targeted. Point is here, folks, the passing game was actually working probably 60 at a 65%, 70% efficiency rate in, in as far as gaining yards and, and getting things. What was happening though is as the game wore on, we were getting desperate and things started to break down and we started to hit the three and outs. And at that point we saw less of Thomas and also it became pretty obvious that Thomas was going to run when he was in. So I think the coaches are trying to save him. He is the number one back, the real lineup, the real prime lineup in the depth chart for running back for Virginia Tech is Malachi Thomas is the number one. Keyshawn King is number two. And then one of the younger guys is number three. It's either going to be Duke or in this case, Chance Black or somebody. Yes, I know we're going to see some of Jalen Holston and we see him. Jalen is an old hat and the leader. And maybe it's time for the offensive staff to start thinking about the future. We've already talked about that before. And we'll talk about it again and again all through the season as this goes on. For those people complaining about Grant Wells, I still see 
some issues with reading open receivers downfield, but and he did have one interception, but that was that was an arm punt, uh, you know, the Hail Mary at the end, and that was unfortunate. He was 25 of 47 for 277 yards and a touchdown. You know, he got sacked three times, which means that the offensive line might have been a little might have been a little shaky in places, but for the most part, he stayed on his feet. He was able to run, and he was playing a, a reasonably good game. He actually pretty much statistically had a better game in the air than Keaton Slovis, who was the pit quarterback. Here's the smack, okay? And that this is going to be the smack for the for the entire season until we get control over it. We got ripped by Abanacanda. It was just they kept him under control, and then bang, he'd run, you know, 60 yards, 80 yards. His long was an 80 yard. He had six touchdowns and 320 net yards, 36 attempts, and his average was 8.9 yards. You can't compete with that. Even if you cut off the burst runs, the breakaways, which were pretty, I'm sorry, defensive line guys, if you're out there hearing me, I'm sorry, but it's true. You all got to use your hands more. You got to tackle better. You got to do a better job of shedding blocks. You got to do a better job of thinking ahead because you got yourselves ripped really bad and it's going to get worse as there's better competition. So let's take a look at what Brian had to say. He says he sees incremental improvements and, you know, that's what we discussed. He's right. We're judging on a different curve now here, guys. Remember, this team is completely rebuilding. It's completely going from scratch and from deep in a well. So it's really important for us as fans to understand that we need to kind of grade this differently. And in our case, improvements are, hey, we hung in there for a two-point game all the way into the fourth quarter, and it really wasn't a blowout. Those last two touchdowns are because the team was gassed. It was blown out because of those two breakaway runs. Other than that, this team actually had themselves in this football game almost the entire way, which is probably the first time in three games that we've had that. So there was hope out there. Malachi Thomas is the guy, okay? He was missed in the beginning of the season. There might be a slightly different character about what these prior two games were if we had had him on the field because he puts back the running game. Because he's able to run inside out, it means that he is a complete challenge for the defenders to try to catch, just like a Abanacanda is. I don't think he's as fast as a Abanacanda, but he's getting there. He's close. You know, Grant Wells really, he did pretty well, but Folks, we got a real problem, and that's our special teams are not working. Peter Moore, who is usually a, a splendidly great punter, was getting short kicks off okay, but his long kicks were terrible. And it was all because he was rushed. I'm still completely perplexed is what in the world punt formation they're running as far as the punt blocking formation, because there were several times where Moore was so rushed he was unable to get the ball off well, and it came off low. We got a fair bounce, but we did not put it back in deep field position where we could have if Moore's leg had been working the way it should have. So somebody's got to do something. Okay, yeah, there was a block punt, but that was a real goof up on Pitt, and we got lucky. But we need to see some improvement on 
several of the special team squad. Okay, and the last beef, this is going to kill us until Marv and Price get a hold of this, and even the linebackers too, which means, of course, the head coach, which we'll talk about. Folks, this team can't tackle. It's just not tackling well. And I mean that from somebody who learned how to tackle in the old days. When the coaches would scream in your ear hole about wrapping up, not only with your arms, but using your hands. I see so many guys go into tackles with their heads down. And yes, they're trying to wrap up, but it looks like they're trying to wrap up with, you know, the sliding gloves, you know, the baseball those big, huge mitts, those sliding mitts or whatever they are, and they're not grabbing on. They're not gripping onto the player, which means they're falling off. They're losing leverage. Your fingers are very important. If you see some of these old linemen and football players, and you see how beat up their hands are and twisted up their fingers are, it's because you have to use your fingers. If you don't, you're going to lose all your leverage on tackle. We also have to be thinking ahead better. We're taking bad angles. I saw bad angle after bad angle on the interior where a Banacanda was ripping a because he was seeing a bad angle. He was seeing a linebacker or a lineman take the wrong angle on him, and he was quick enough to cut against that angle. And so the lineman was taking himself out. So we were missing tackles behind the line of scrimmage and at the line of scrimmage when we could have stopped him. And we've got to fix that. That should be a priority fix at this point. That's my beat. That's my rant. Brent Pry needs to bow out of the defense. God love him. He's trying. Brent Pry needs to concentrate on being a head coach. It's really, really hard to be a head coach. He's the guy that's calling the shots, that's calling the timeouts, that's watching the clock, that's doing the clock management. And he needs to hire a clock manager. He needs to have some assistant with him with a stopwatch on the thing, screaming in his ear, in his headphones, that it's time to call a timeout. Use your timeouts. Use your clock management. But you can't do that when you're also trying to do the defense and you're trying to worry about other stuff. Coach, it's time for you to step up and let Marv, who seems to be really good and really into this, let Marv do the defense. Just give it to him and let him do it. That's what we did with Bud Foster. Finally, Foster stopped being a junior assistant and Frank Beamer handed the defense off to him. I think Marv is going to be a great coach. I wouldn't be surprised to see him as a head coach one day. Let him go. Let him do his job, and you go do your job as the head coach. That's from us, and if you hear it, it came from Brian, it came from me, and I'm sure if we talked to Jay, Jay would concur. So as we wrap this up, let's take this one step at a time, folks. This is one game shot every single week. Coming up, we're going to have a preview for the Miami game. And guess what? Guess whose seat is already hot because guess who lost on Saturday again? Miami is not that good. They were overrated to begin with. They have a lot of structural internal problems. And their head coach is, you know, he could be a flash in the pan. He could be the the greatest head coach they've ever had. But it's just his first year. And they're rolling into Blacksburg with a team that did much better and has Malachi Thomas on the field. Now, we've got a lot of work on the defense to do. But I don't see Miami generating a whole lot of offense right now. Tyler Van Dyke is not where he was, and this team has a shot at winning the next football game. I can't tell you it's better than 50-50, but it has a shot. We're going to go over in depth later on, but for now, everybody needs to just be positive and look up. 
there were really good steps on this. All of us thought we were going to get stuck at 10 or 17 points. And look, we got 29 points. We got some special team scoring. We've got the pass lit up, the run lit up. We got Malachi back on the field. Let's see where the next game goes. Let's not look farther down than the next game. We're going to concentrate on what we're doing, and we're going to concentrate on being good fans. I'll be out on the sideline with my camera in my hand or in the stands with my camera in my hand. I haven't figured out what I'm going to do yet, but I'm going to do it. And we're going to be at the Miami game, and we'll see what happens. So if everybody will just be cool, we'll be fine. And eventually the coaching staff will get this worked out. And the players will start to get themselves straightened out. And the young guys will start coming up. The Hokies have all we've got is to look up. And that's where we're going. So, as always, this is John saying goodbye like we always do. Go Hokies!